Galloway. And I'm Tracy Galloway. Welcome to our podcast, 36 Questions. This is an unscripted show where we candidly and spontaneously answer 36 questions that lead to love. Now, these 36 questions were invented by psychologist Arthur Aaron, who created this exercise to help people be vulnerable in order to foster closeness and intimacy. We have been married 26 years and have four almost grown children together. We've both been in Christian leadership for almost 30 years now. I've been a pastor, you've been a pastor, and we've both been student pastors. And I lead right now a nonprofit organization that does outreach to people experiencing homelessness. You know, our hope is that as we dig deep into each other's lives, that you will be inspired to find more intimacy and authenticity in your own relationships. Let's dive in. Everybody, we're back. Hello. It's Juan Galloway and Tracy Galloway. My favorite girl. And it's time for another fun episode of 36 Questions Woo-hoo. with Juan and Tracy. Episode six. Yeah, episode six. So we're on the sixth question. Yeah, let's get to it. Okay, so here's the dealio. Here's how the question goes. If you, Tracy Galloway, were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or the body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? Hmm. (laughs) This is a much tougher question than do you prepare before you talk on the phone or whatever one of the other questions was. So basically... For 60 years. So that means if you turn 30, at that point, you either lose your mind or lose your body at age 30 for the rest well, of your life. You you have an old mind or an old body. It's not you lose it. It's you have an 80-year-old mind and a 70-year-old mind or a 70-year-old body. A normal body that's getting oh. older or a normal mind that's getting older, but not a 30-year-old mind that's really huh. firing on all pistons or a 30-year-old body that's strong and healthy and full of muscles like mine was when I was 30. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> My body's better now than I was 30. <laughs> well, I don't know. There was definitely no muscles involved. When right. You were I have more 30. muscles and more belly. Yeah. Now it's more muscles. I have more than- of everything. <laughs> By golly, it's wonderful. It's just wonderful. Okay. But this is your question. I was going to say my body's probably the same now as it was then. But, um, you know, it's interesting because I didn't think of it that way. I didn't think like, oh, it means I'm going to be an old woman at 30. I just thought it meant you're going to be unhealthy. Like the like a like a ninety year old is that right? So they're like saying a, okay between the age of thirty and ninety, mm-hmm. okay, the last sixty years of your life, okay, you could retain the mind of a thirty year old like sharp or mm. the body of a thirty year old strong, mm. but you only get to choose one. And there and the other side is just going to be a normal old mind, old body, you know. Right. I mean, part of me. I mean, I immediately went to keeping the mind part. Okay. But if you're saying just like the mind of a 90-year-old, see, that changes my mind because my grandmother, mm-hmm. when she was 90, was pretty with it, you know? I mean, not perfect, but she was pretty close. Grandma mm-hmm. Velda, your grandmother, who's now 96, like, mm. you know, she's pretty with it. And so I, I guess to me, I was thinking you meant either your mind is gone or your body's gone. Well... 
they're going. And so <laughs> I don't know if they're gone. It's hard if you compare it to someone who's 90 or 80 because everyone's so different. Like it, it's different compared to who you're talking about. But if we were to say the question means either your body is not great, it's pretty not, not that great at all, mm-hmm. or your mind is not that great, not that great at all, then I can make a decision on that. Otherwise, it's hard to know because then you might be thinking of a different 90-year-old than I am. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, it's really hurting my head. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Big decisions. So so for me, mm-hmm. I have an immediate answer, and that is I'd want to keep my mind because, I mean, well, probably because I've lost it recently. <laughs> it's made me want my mind more. Well, I wouldn't say you've lost your mind. I mean, I think you're pretty sane. Yeah. Well, I'm sane as a human being. Right. My soul, my spirit, mm-hmm. who I am as a woman, as a person. Yes. Yeah. But um, but you've had some neurological I had some, issues in the last right. eight, eight months or whatever. Right. And mm. I, I guess we were, you know, we've hinted at it mm-hmm. over the past six, six episodes. Yes. And um, even I've made some verbal mistakes in some of our earlier episodes that you were kind of editing, except for the last one, we left them in a little bit. And so... I think maybe it's time for me to share a little bit about that just so I can explain why I'd want to keep my mind. Okay. Okay. For the listener. I know you already know, but um, it's kind of hard to talk about, to be honest, because I really don't like to talk about it. I don't like people to know. Mm. I prefer for people not to know because I don't want people to be bothered. I don't want people to worry. Um, Do you worry about the stigma of it? Like to think that... No, because that people who know me know there's something wrong. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't mind the stigma. Okay. I don't so mind. So what happened? What people think about me? Tell that the way. listener what exactly happened. What are you hinting at? Well, you know, it first started when I was 33 years old, and something happened to me. I was driving the kids in the car. They were all little at the time, with the mm-hmm. neighborhood kids who were right. coming back from ice cream, and I took them all to ice cream. We're driving home, and all of a sudden, as I'm driving, I get this tunnel vision that goes down to like tiny little circles. I can just barely see the license plate of the car in front of me. Well, actually first I felt like there's an elephant sitting on my chest, couldn't breathe, felt pain in the back of my head. And then I lost my vision. It went to tunnel vision and I had water next to me. I threw it on my face so I wouldn't have a car accident with the kids in the car. And I pulled over and um, I was able to regain my composure over the next five to 10 minutes. And then I felt like I could drive home, which at the time I probably shouldn't have. But I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't know who to call. I was kind of disoriented. And I thought, well, I'm only like four blocks from my house. Right. I think I can. I think I'm okay. I just thought, oh, maybe I just felt faint. Right. You know, I don't know. So I start driving. I, I get home. And then I open the door to get out of the car. And my leg won't get out of the car because I kind of, kind of swing it out. And then when I try to stand up, I collapsed on the driveway because yep. I couldn't stand. And so the kids helped me into the house. We called you at work. You came and got me. You took me to the hospital. The hospital, they asked me, who's the president of the United States? Got that wrong. How old am I? Got that way off by 10 years. I couldn't. And I knew the answer in my head, but what was coming out of my mouth was incorrect. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I didn't know what was going on. Right. Um, but it seemed like a stroke. Um, but then they gave me a brain scan and they said an they MRI. Did, an MRI yep. and they said it didn't seem like a stroke, but they kept me there for seven days. And I mean, you were with me. I had a hard time talking. I had a stutter. I had a hard time understanding things. Yeah. You couldn't, um, your face was partially distorted. Was it? Mm-hmm. 
I didn't like you tried to smile, but it was kind of like you didn't. Yeah, it was kind of like partially paralyzed or something. I don't, you know, it was, and of course your leg didn't work. So they were wheeling you around or yeah, it was, it was much like a stroke. Exactly like you would picture a stroke. Right. The, The effects. Yeah. But I mean, I only saw the neurologist that week, like once or twice and he was only with me for a few minutes and didn't really say anything or do anything. And I didn't know what was going on. Right. They couldn't see it on the MRI. So they thought, well, it's not a stroke. And then they didn't know what to do. So, Basically, that was it. No so they, clue. they released me, but I couldn't walk or do anything. So I had to go to your mom's house so I could have full-time care. And I lived at your parents' house for like three weeks. And she cooked for me and took care of me. And I just laid in bed and looked out the window for three or four hours at a time. And that was plenty. Like, that was exhausting for yeah, me. You just laid there exhausted 24-7 yeah. for... Really, for months, I mean. Yeah, because then I went home because I missed you, you missed me, and I was around the kids, but I still was just in bed or on the sofa all the time. And so it took months and months and months and months and months, and I had word replacement issues, and I mean, you could call it a TIA, which is like um, transient and stimic stomach attack which is like a mini stroke I could say there were hundreds of those where all of a sudden I couldn't move my arm or all of a sudden I couldn't talk or I was just nonverbal for you know five minutes or ten minutes and it would pass and I had those almost every day all the time and that lasted for like six months yeah and, and I remember you had to drag yourself down the stairs to go to the bathroom because there was no bathroom on the second floor yeah in the middle of the night and then yeah. you, if you went out you had to use a cane I had to use a cane I didn't yeah. go out because I couldn't really yeah walk and I remember getting the kids from school I'd get in the car I'd get get to the car which was a challenge drive to the school which was only half a block away and I would get there an hour early so I could get the spot right in front and then so that way when the kids came out I could get out of the car and carefully balance myself on the hood and wave and smile wave them over to me to pretend like I was okay sad story anyway this is when I was 33 so eventually I kind of recovered and uh, after like a year or so, I started exercising again. I was walking again. And I remember I was walking at Nomahegan Park, the park by our house in Cranford, New Jersey. And I saw a couple of my friends. I'm like, wow, you're out. You're walking. You look great. And I was like, yeah, well, it's been a year now. I'm feeling really good. I'm doing great. And they're like, oh, that's so good. I'm so happy for you. And then the next day, it happened again. Mm-hmm. And I was, I couldn't talk. And I called you home from work, and I think you just put me to bed that time. I'm not sure. And I recovered after a couple months, you know. Anyway, all I know is all in all from the very first time it happened to the very end where I felt like I was super strong, I think it was like eight years recovery. And I still had word replacement issues. Like I'd see a table and call it a chair. Or you'd have, um, couldn't do math in your head. Can't, yeah, yeah. Not that we were ever very good at that. No, I'm not a mathematician. Whatever but little was there. Like I couldn't write a check because right. I couldn't write the numbers. And just mm. I, that part of my brain Scary. was sizzled. Even though nothing showed in the MRI, numbers were definitely gone after that incident. So anyway, I had multiple kind of mini ones. And, and then I, I felt like I got better. And I was better for a whole year. And that's when I took the job senior pastoring at that little historic church, um, which was great. That was a great yeah, for experience. For five years, you, you were going strong. I was. I mean, there was a dip there in like year three, remember? Mm-hmm. And Pastor Mike came over and prayed for me. Yeah, that's right. And then I got better. Yeah. And then we took our trip to Italy and went hiking and all this stuff yeah, for our 25-year yeah, anniversary. Yeah, Yeah. But um, anyway, I know this is a long story, but 
just to bring everyone full circle. And who knows, maybe somebody will listen to this and have an answer to me because I still don't have Please a diagnosis. Send the answers in. Yeah. So eight months ago from now, mm-hmm. like eight months prior, this happened to me again. I was working out at the gym. You were there with me. And I was actually on the arm bike because for some reason my leg wasn't working. I didn't know why. And I thought, oh, my leg's not working. It's so weird. It hurts. And I'm going to... I don't know. I'll just use the arm bike. So I was doing the arm bike and then all of a sudden it hit me. It was a pain in the lower back, lower left side of my brain. That was like a sharp pickaxe going into my head and everything went white like lightning on the left side. A my, flashing light in your left A flash eye. and it would come and it would go. First I had chest pain and then I had mm. the, um, like before, yeah. then I had the flashing light and it would come and go like every, I don't know, 10 seconds or something and I was able to text you for help you ran over to me and you helped me out of the gym and I uh, asked you to take me home instead of the hospital because I know this sounds stupid to everyone and I know it sounds stupid to me now but I just knew I'd been to the hospital twice before for full weeks getting tests done and they never knew what was wrong with me so I didn't want to go through that again and right. I knew I wasn't strong enough or well enough I almost felt like if I went to the hospital I might die like I felt like I'm so not well I have to lay down immediately and rest to right. save my life I, am, I almost felt that way so I had you bring me home and I laid down in bed and I laid down for months right well, and then, of course, we did go to the doctor, went to many doctors Yeah, since we did then, go to the doctor. more MRIs and more everything, EEGs and mm-hmm. you name Rheumatologists it. Rheumatologists. We, we had our heart tests. At, checked for a hole in my did heart. Did a spinal tap. Spinal tap. test for MS and horrible. everything else. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long journey, and we still don't know the answers. And the tough thing is, I think, when we talk about this question, mm. is what I mind losing my I feel like I have lost my brain so you've not already totally. gone to the 80 or 90 year old <laughs> even though you're 45 yeah I mean really the, it's it's I'm shocked I can do this podcast because many times during the week I don't feel like I'm verbally strong enough to respond to these questions and speak clearly and not make mistakes verbally and even in my head I'm being careful how I'm speaking so I can speak correctly because my brain is functioning at a slower pace right it's not as on it at all mm. i'm at like 50 percent, you know but before i was like at 10 percent. so i am improving well i remember in you know this last time around we would be talking this happened throughout the day every day we'd be talking you would blank out i could see the blank look in your eyes you had lost our conversation you didn't know what i was talking about and then you, your brain would come back on and then we go what, what were we talking about and that happened over and over and the crazy thing is, nobody knows anything. Nobody knows There's anything. no answers medically, scientifically. Nobody knows anything. It's ridiculous. So, I mean, you are better than you were eight months ago. Mm-hmm. But, but I've never had a doctor that really spent time with me on this. I don't feel. I feel like every time I went to the neurologist, it was like five minutes with me and I'm out. I just feel like I, I felt like if I had a doctor who actually spent an hour researching everything and looking into it they'd have an answer i just don't think anyone's had the time well i think they've done all the standard stuff they did the, they ran the test they didn't find anything and they're like well they usually you're healthy <laughs> okay uh don't feel healthy something's wrong healthy uh why don't you just say we don't know you yeah. know but yeah. i don't think they train them to do that they just yeah. say you're healthy but yeah so, so i can now, see why this question is very personal for you. You've actually had to face some impairment. Right. Um, and for me, it's life. been my body and my brain. 
right because i've been just laying down in bed or sitting in a chair for the past eight months mm. i mean i've literally at this point today i've walked to the end of the block and back and that's about as much as i have in me right now so would i and we used to hike and walk and and we've done the cinque terre trails and you know swimming in the caves and i i love being active so i I mean, part of me would like to have my body so I could go do stuff, even mm. if I can't think mm. really well. Right. But then the other part of me, I feel like I'm fine just kind of sitting in a chair and looking out the window. And I would like to have my mind to be able to podcast or blog or write yeah. books, you know, or communicate mm. with you or help the kids. So I would choose my mind over my body. And I'd rather just be sitting in a chair and not able to do much physically and be able to contribute to the work because I think if I can use my mind I can contribute to the family mm-hmm. contribute to the world right and if I just can use my body like then a, I'm only contributing to myself my like, own enjoyment um, in the man with two brains I think that was the movie of Steve Martin there was a brain <laughs> in a jar yeah and it was his girlfriend or his wife I forget something and his it would wife? talk to him somehow the brain could talk to him and there was no body but they still had a great relationship because <laughs> their brain was working just fine the Man with Two Brains by Steve Martin. That's an oldie. That's I, a good one, though. I, I, should look that I one really up. can't remember much about it, <laughs> except there was a brain talking to him. I, he had brains in jars, and she started talking to yeah. him. Well, I do love you for your brain. They sang the way, a song so. in that. It goes, I like a me, and you like a you, and we know. Da, da, I do da, not da. remember that song. You don't remember that? Well, boy, we're going to have to revisit that. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, that's a long answer, but I just felt like it just mm. needed to be said. And um, I usually don't talk to people about it, and I don't like to, because I think people's medical conditions are kind of a bummer, and I don't want to be a bummer to people's lives. So I just... It's like old people, and they're like, oh, my spleen. <laughs> I got a goiter, and it's really bothering me today. I used to have an Aunt Rosie, Italian Aunt Rosie, <laughs> yeah. and every time we saw her, something was hurting or, anky, or aching, and I remember Uncle George, her husband, yeah. she said, he said, uh, he said, you know, Aunt Rosie, you know, he didn't call her Aunt Rosie, you know, Rosie, you've had every ailment in the book. You're from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, every organ, every problem, you had it all. But the only thing you've never had a problem with is your tongue. Your tongue just keeps wagging and wagging and wagging. <laughs> you've never had a problem <laughs> with your tongue. Doc- and then he said the next day, sure enough, she woke up and her, and her tongue was swollen. <laughs> it was swollen. It's a true story. <laughs> Her tongue swelled up, and they had to go to the doctor. Aunt Rosie, God bless her soul. Oh, She's still man. alive. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think, you know what? I mean, strangely enough, I always think, like, I don't want to live to 90. Mm-hmm. Like, that's too old. Wait. I, before you answer the yeah. question, yeah. I just want you, you know what I'd like to know? Yes. Since we're supposed to be getting intimate about all this. Oh, wow. Is how has this made you feel? With this thing with me happening, like the past 12 years of our life. Bad. Real bad. Yeah. It's hard. Because anytime you're, you see someone hurting, it's super difficult to watch them suffer. So it tests your faith. It tests your emotions, your you know resolve, all that stuff. So, yeah, 
because each time this happened, it's been an absolute crisis. Like it flipped our lives upside down. Everything had to stop. You know, we our kids used to be little, so I had to take off of work for three months and take care of them. They were all in elementary school. It was crazy. And um, now they're older, so they helped out this time, actually. Yeah. You know, because they could help make dinner, help go shopping, drive to the store, things like that. So it actually was very helpful to me. Um, but it's still just horrible to see you suffer. Mm. So, um, yeah. And I think, you know, the breakthrough this time, I, I especially in the first couple of weeks, I was like, I just kept expecting you to bounce back and things are just going to turn around. I thought so too. And then you said something, I think it was you, that said, maybe this is just the new normal. Mm. Now, that's a, that sounds like a sad thing, like like you're just giving up kind of statement but it really helped me i was like oh i need to stop being frustrated for it to immediately be changed i need to just settle into this and we got a long haul maybe and one day at a time we'll just do what we can do mm-hmm. we'll take it that way rather than what's going on how are we going to solve this i'm going crazy <laughs> oh you my know. God, I'm so i had depressed. to get out of that headspace because that's a disaster yeah. and okay, I'm just going to take care of you today. Mm-hmm. And no matter what I got to do, we're going to do it. Right. We're going to handle it. I don't think we were as emotional this time at all. I think we were pretty much okay most of the time. Uh, I've had my moments. I've had moments too. But you're right. It was much harder the first time because I don't know. And I guess I want to conclude all this by saying what I learned through this is, you know, we talk about different fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. In some versions, there's also, it talks about long-suffering, you know, and how no one ever, like, desires long-suffering. <laughs> like, I don't want I don't, that I gift. don't want that gift. No, I don't want, thank you. No, thank you. You know, but that's there. You know, a lot of people, I think, on earth have long-suffering situations. If it's their health or um, their work situation, there's all kinds of things. Yeah, that's the gift of endurance. Yeah, really. long suffering. Yeah. And that to be able to suffer well is my goal. And mm. I feel like I've I've been doing it pretty well. Um, because I've had some serious physical suffering and pain, especially after that spinal spinal tap and I was on my back for three weeks and throwing up and going to the hospital in an ambulance and it was bad. Mm. But I'm trying to suffer well as much as I can and uh and that even if it's and not just suffer well, but long suffering, like if I have to suffer for years that I can be, I can be close enough to God that I might, it doesn't destroy my joy and it doesn't destroy my peace. So I can have suffering and hardship and still have joy and peace in the midst of it, even for a long period of time. And I think that's what I want people to understand is that whatever your situation is, it may involve long suffering. Maybe it's having a special needs child. Right. You know, and in, in the rest of your life, that's something, I mean, you don't want to say it's suffering, you know, because you love that child, but it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. Yeah, sure. And all of us have challenges and some of them will last all of our lives, mm. but we can still have joy and peace and patience and all those fruit, the other fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control in, in the midst of suffering. Mm. And I think that's what makes like a mature Christian. Um, is being able to walk that road and to do it gracefully, you know? Yeah. So anyway, that's my goal with that. Anyway, I want to hear yours though. What's your answer? You want your body, don't you? Well, first, (laughs) uh, it's time for our segment. It's called the book of the week. We're going to give a book recommend right now. 
Okay, so last time I recommended a book, so Tracy, take it away. Well, I hate to talk some more, but I will. Do you, though? Do you hate it? <laughs> so um, I'm going to recommend another nonfiction book. No, Again? Wait. Or is it fiction? It's fiction. Sorry. See, there you go. So another fiction book. Again? And you're the one... <laughs> You're the one that likes teaching books, but I, I, I like stories. I just love that. And so I'm going to recommend another great story. It's a historic um, Christian fiction book called A Voice in the Wind by Francine Rivers. And it's really... Ooh, I love that book. Do you? Oh, that's one of my... I mean, I think literally that's my favorite book. Really? Yes. It's funny because the original book did not have a girl on the front and a pretty dress. It was just like a voice in the wind. And your dad read it and loved it. You read it and loved it. And then you recommended it to me. And then they changed the cover to be like some romance novel on the front. Yeah, <laughs> it so became now very much more feminized. <laughs> Just the why. cover, just the cover. Right. The story starts out like in a war, you know, which is very masculine. But anyway, it's a story of this young girl who's a slave in um, ancient Rome. And she basically, uh, I guess she's Jewish. And then she becomes a Christian. She's a slave um, to the Romans. To the Romans. But they compare the Roman lifestyle to the American lifestyle of today. Um, just kind of this debauchous lifestyle, you know, just It's really, very historic. And it's all very real. It's very real and historic. I mean, the games being thrown to the lions, all that stuff is so in detail. I I loved it. It was an epic, like book. It was. It was because it had three books in the right. end. It's called the um, Mark of the Lion series: A Voice in the Wind, An Echo in the Darkness, and then As Sure as As Sure as the Dawn. The, the Dawn. The, yeah. yeah. So there's right. a three-part series, which makes it even better, honestly. Yeah, right. But the first one is great. And I think if you're a girl, you're, it's going to be tough to get through that first chapter because it's kind of a war chapter. But after that, you really get That's into it. That's why the guys like it. It's got a lot of, like, fighting and war and mm -hmm. warriors. And But, yeah, it's really good. It's really cool because it kind of – you can you can compare it to yourself as a Christian living, at least in America or in a modernized country that has a lot of wealth and how people live their lives today and being a Christian in that situation and how she responded yeah. in those situations with grace and love and serving people yeah. and how we in turn can face people with some of the worst circumstances that you could imagine and some of the grossest situations that you would not even want to know about but you could befriend them, love them and serve them and in turn pray for them you know, out loud with them and have God touch their hearts. And so that's what I liked about it. Yeah. It's it's not a fantastical book. It's more like, wow, this seems like a real story that really happened. Right. It's not. It's fiction. But the way it's depicted, mm -hmm. that you really get into the characters. Right. Francine Rivers is a wonderful author. Yeah. So, yeah. A Voice in the Wind. That's my recommendation And she's written a lot of other great books, which they're all pretty good. But this is the best one. Redeeming hands Love down. is another really good one. It's a one. great she one, did. but still Voice in the Wind, hands down. My favorite book. You're, I'm glad you're suggesting it because yeah. this is a winner. Okay, two thumbs up from Juan and Tracy. <laughs> okay, so now it's my turn to answer this gripping question. Um, in the last 60 years of my life, hmm, let's see, I'm 48 right now, so... You're getting old. Ooh, okay. I was looking uh, at you there night in bed, and I was looking over at you, and I could see all your wrinkles next to your eye. 
I was like, wow, look at all those wrinkles. I think that's because the lights were, you know, dim. <laughs> I look a lot better, you know, in the light. Anyway, yeah, getting old. But it is, um, I, I, I kind of have to agree with you on this one. I, I Wait, a, should we answer? The, maybe we should say the question okay, again. Okay, the question again is, um, how would you like to spend the last 60 years of your life? Like from 30 to 90, mm-hmm. would you rather have the, the, the mind of a 30-year-old fresh mm-hmm. or the body of a 30 year old strong. And I have to say, I agree with you on this one because my grandfather, uh, Virgil Galloway, he actually got Alzheimer's and, mm. um, yeah, the end of his life, he didn't know what was going on a lot of the time or didn't know who his own family was. And yeah, that's probably the worst thing that can happen to you. You know what I mean? Is to not be tracking even with your loved ones to know them. And mm. that's just so difficult. So, uh, even if I had a strong body, right, and my mind was no good, what what good is my body? Now, of course, if I stayed sharp until I was 90, mm-hmm. well, I'd go for the body, right? But I wouldn't know that. So if I had to roll the dice and go choose one, mm. I'd say I want my mind to be good so that as decrepit as my body might be, I can communicate mm. and comprehend and connect with people around me and love them well, my family, and just, yeah. I I think that's what's more important to me. Um, and I'm, I also, I love to create and if, if my mind's working on firing on all pistons, Mm -hmm. it means I can be creative. I can write, I can write books or articles. I can write music. I can do a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I could be here in a wheelchair with only my, my brain working or a brain in a jar (laughs) and I could do the podcast as a brain in the jar. I don't need the body, you know, obviously I like having a body, but um, yeah, so I, I think really that's, that's what makes you, you really in the end, it's your mind more than your body. And so I would hate to lose my mind and because it would be losing more. I don't of know me. people, you know, it's interesting this question for a woman, because I can definitely say that when my weight is lower and I'm looking good, people treat me strangers and people I know completely different than mm. when my weight is higher and I'm not looking good. You get treated differently everywhere you go. And it's almost like your world and your life is a completely different experience depending on the way you look. And so it is kind of a bummer if you look bad, like let's say you look really bad. I mean, some people, they can't help the way they look. They can't either help their weight because it's hereditary or they can't help their face or deformity. And um, people do treat you differently. And, you know... I try so hard to not do that because I feel like I've been on the receiving end of that Mm. (laughs) in stores and things. And so I actually do the opposite. If I see somebody who looks, you know, not up to par either with their clothes or their body or their face or the way they look on the outside, Mm -hmm. I actually, if I am in a room full of people, that's the person I go to. You gravitate to that person. I go to that person. Yeah. And, and sure enough, you can bet that person's standing alone and no one's talking to them. Mm. And it kind of, I'm not going to lie, it sort of pisses me off. It really makes me angry that just because somebody doesn't look great, they're completely ignored like they're not even there. And so I, I just, ugh, it so gets you, my goat. So you naturally gravitate to them to connect with them and and get to know them and Yeah, and, and some out. of those people are the, I mean, <laughs> 
they're the most interesting people that I know. If I were to list the people that I know that are really interesting, you know, that are really different, and we know quite a few, each one of them has like made my life really better out of just the flavor they've added to my life, you know? It's like knowing only white people. If you know only white people and you're a white person, or you know only black people and you're a black person, you know only Asian people and you're an Asian person, your life is kind of predictable. But when you throw some different cultures in the mix, it's like they add spice to your life. Yeah. You know? And it can be the same with people who are older or younger. Like, you need to have people in your life who are who are old, like really old, and people who are really young that you're close to. to and that's what makes your life interesting. I think... We have to be careful not to get in a little, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I I recently saw a, um, I guess it was an article about it's a coffee shop. And the coffee shop is almost completely staffed by people with Down syndrome, and adults. And they have a couple supervisors, I guess, and trainers and coaches and people who are whatever working with them. But that really, I was like, Oh my gosh, I wish that was near me. I would go there all the time because I just I just think that we should make a place for people like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why my heart is especially tender for that kind of thing, but it totally is. So if I see somebody at like the grocery store and they're sacking groceries, I try to make a point to talk to them and just say, Hey, you're, you're really doing a great job, you know, Mary, if they're not got their own name tag on. You know, I didn't know now, you did I would that because I do the same thing. Now, I don't like to talk to strangers. So if they were a normal, like ab- an average yeah, person. Yeah, you wouldn't speak to them. I, I don't want to talk to them. But because I see their kind of special needs, I'm right. like, hey, thanks for getting all those shopping carts at the parking lot. There's a guy named Alan down at our shop, Stop and Shop. Yeah. And um, I saw him sitting by the lake when we were at the lake beach one day. And I was yeah. like, oh you're Alan from the grocery store how are you where do you live and I sat and I talked to him because he of course he was sitting there alone nobody's talking to him he's a little different and every time I see him at stop and shop I stop and I talk to him and he's he's kind of rattled by it because people don't acknowledge him at all you know and uh but you know I know his name yeah so I I just I'm always happy to see him I love that this coffee shop like literally made a place for people to be productive and engage with society and work and have the dignity of earning and yeah. all of that stuff. It's just like, wow. Um, you know, because how we were talking about how we judge people by their body, by their mm. mind, you know, and all that. And so there's something about folks like that, I guess that they bring a lot of joy in, in other ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, they and help. having them over to your home. Yeah. That, you know, a lot of people don't take it that far. They're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'll be nice to someone different. Right. But would you have them over to your home to hang out with your family? And uh, I, I find that the times we've done that, too, have been really precious. It's funny you say that because I have, um, I think it's in two weeks, I'm bringing a friend over from uh-huh. New York City uh-huh. named Angel. And it's his birthday. He's, by the way, he's the exa- same exact age as me. Is he's he? 48. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. Anyway, we've known him, I don't know, oh, I think 11 years. He yeah. tells me. He knows all exactly the details, but he's a special needs guy, and uh, he had some brain damage and stuff when he was um, a baby but uh, in the womb, but also then he was injured by his brother and went to the hospital. And So he's had brain damage, and, um, you know, when we met him in our outreach, we helped him, and 
we kept him from becoming homeless. When his mom died, he would have hit, you know, he had, he just couldn't take care of himself. Yeah. To not the mental capacity. And so our staff has done amazing things for him. I've been to the Yankees game with him, with a bunch of the staff. They've thrown pizza parties for him. At New York City Relief. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Everybody at the staff would really celebrate him. And um, so he wanted this year to, to come do a movie night with some of the staff and watch Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. It must be his birthday. Doesn't it's he come? his birthday, yes. Yeah, his birthday every year he comes, does a movie night. Right, yeah. right. So he wanted to see a Bruce Lee movie this time. <laughs> cool. And it was like, I think a lot of the staff schedule was really kind of overloaded uh-huh. and we had all these teams and it's just super busy. But I noticed that you were out of town that week. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I'm home alone, you know, with our son but i'll be in dallas at the if gathering yeah so i thought this is kind of perfect timing you know so i was like oh this is gonna be fun we're gonna me and angel are gonna watch a bruce lee movie for his birthday and good and then one of the staff said they'd bake him a birthday cake and anyway and he's spending the night too right yeah he's gonna spend the night that's and hang good. out um so yeah that's good i and that's those memories are are precious well i mean that's a blessing to me I yeah mean, more, it more is, than him. He's, it? he'll enjoy it but i just think like wow this is this is like spending time with Jesus. Yeah. And I'm sorry I can't be here. And in fact, that same night you're hosting him is the same night there's the Night to Shine, which is a special needs prom. That's right. And it, this happens it, wherever you are. If I don't know if it's in other countries, but it's definitely in America. The, uh, Tim Tebow Foundation does a special needs prom. And it's amazing. A lot of churches put it on, a lot of organizations and yeah. um uh, a friend of ours church, Liquid Church, is doing it here in New Jersey at multiple locations. And so our son, who's 17, is going to be a buddy, a date for a special needs girl for prom. And he's done it before. He loves it because he loves to dance. He's kind of like a, what do you call it, pop and locker? <laughs> what is that? Uh, yeah, kind of like break dancing kind of Every time stuff. he's at a dance, there's a circle around him cheering, Galloway, Galloway, as <laughs> he's popping and locking. He- and he does it so vigorously, he actually injures himself sometimes, <laughs> which is pretty funny. He's good, though. He's really... Anyway, hopefully whoever he gets likes to dance. If not, that's fine. He'll just, you know, host No, them. but I mean, that's an amazing event. The uh, The cool thing about that event, and it's all ages, it's it's young people, adults, that everybody who comes gets to be a king of the prom or queen of the prom. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. They get honored. They're the star of the show and they have the best time. When and we they have went, makeovers and they give take them up for a limo ride. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing. They do, and they have a whole dinner, just the whole deal. It's so special. So, you know, if you get a chance to donate to Night to Shine or to be a part of Night to Shine, it's a really great event. And I guess that relates a little bit to what we're talking about. I didn't plan on mentioning it, but it's mentionable. Yeah, totally. This is the kind of stuff the church ought to be doing or Christians mm-hmm. should be doing. Yeah. You know, is living the gospel by making a special place mm-hmm. for those who, for whatever reason, may be ostracized or isolated. Mm. Um, and I guess it kind of loops back to the question, like some of these people at Night to Shine, they either their mind isn't functioning the same as other people mm-hmm. or their body. Yeah. Because they're in wheelchairs wheelchair stuff, yeah. or it's not functioning the same and choosing one or the other. I mean, I mean, it's kind of amazing that we could even make that choice. That means, I mean, even though my mind doesn't work as well as it used to, and I'm still recovering, um, I'm just so thankful, yeah. you know, that I have the health I We're do blessed. have. We're and blessed. I think, yeah, I think being thankful for what you do have, regardless of your long suffering or situation, if it's mental problems, physical problems, marital problems, 
problems with your kids, if you count your blessings and you're thankful and you start from that place, you're able to get to healing so much more quickly and get to God's perspective. So I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for you as my husband. You're, you've been completely amazing and supportive and wonderful with the kids, with me, with your job. And um, you've really done well. I'm proud of you because you could have really freaked out, but you really oh, I've done that too. have done well. <laughs> and I'm just so happy that we have each other so that, you know, in the, in the marriage vows, it says in sickness and in health. Till death do we <laughs> And I actually didn't put that in our vows because I didn't want to confess sickness <laughs> over over Wait, my life. I've got a loophole. You have a loophole. <laughs> we didn't say that in the marriage vows. But the fact that through sickness and in health, you've been really good to me. And I really appreciate that. I appreciate you. And that's another thing we need to do, I think, with our spouses is to tell them how much we appreciate them. Because mm. I think we forget to do that. And it's something I try to do every day. I try to tell you at least one thing that I appreciate about you every day. And um, and that's for today. Is I appreciate you for taking such good care of me the past eight months. And I appreciate you for making me coffee today. Yeah. That was pretty nice. That was a switcheroonie. I know. I You're do you. that 99% <laughs> of the time. That's me. And I don't mind it because I like it just so. Yeah. Well, that was good. It was a good episode. And... Um, I just peeked, uh, took a little peek at what the next question is. I won't tell what it is, uh, but it's it's pretty pretty interesting. It's going to be a good one, so you should check us out next episode. And uh, while you're at it, why don't you uh, go on iTunes and write a review or something, or share it. Share a link to this podcast with your friends on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or, you know, stuff like that, MySpace, Friendster. If there's anything we talked about joke. and you know somebody, Friendster, that's not real, is it? <laughs> it used to be a thing. Did it? Yeah. Well, if you know anybody who we said anything and they came to your mind like, oh, some, you know, I know someone who needs to hear this, just go ahead and private message them a link to this and uh, have them give a listen. Yeah. So that we're six questions down. We got 30 more to go. Woohoo! Only 30. That's all. <laughs> that's a lot. Well, we got to do something in our spare time. This is good for winter. It's winter here in the north. Yes. And uh, it's a good thing to do inside. It is a good thing to do inside. Well, that's great. Uh, We'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.